Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today in Revelation chapter number 6, we will begin with the fifth seal, beginning in verse number 9. Father, we are thankful, asking thy blessing upon us as we rejoice in these things which we receive from Revelation. We ask that you prepare our hearts, that you give us wisdom, Lord, that we may be able to share the warning that you have provided to this world of the wrath that is to come. It is necessary, Father, for you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But we must first realize what we have done wrong before we can come to the point where we accept it. So help us, Lord, to understand these things so that we may bring the reality of your truth to people's hearts so that they may be able to accept the reality of what they are and who they are and repent. We ask that blessing upon us in Jesus' name this day. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone, and God bless you for tuning in. It's a, it's a privilege to to the Preacher's Corner to have you together with us as we go through this study that we do called The Reality of Revelation. And there are many things that we study through the book of Revelation that we must come to the conclusion that as it is coming to pass and as it is the Lord's promise that these things are going to be a reality, whether we like the idea of them or not. Uh, the, the world in its tribulation and great tribulation through a period of seven years is as fulfilled in the prophecy that is recognized in Daniel of the 70th week uh, that, that is coming up. Praise God, it's going to happen. And so it's very important for us to realize those things that are realities. Now, People can argue over the times of rapture, if a rapture happens at all. People could argue over uh, millennial kingdoms or no kingdoms. People can fuss about all kinds of things, but I don't get into a lot of that. I just state my position and carry on. The point that we get into here at Reality of Revelation is the very things themselves, the very critters that are coming out of the pits of hell, the very the very chariots that shall ride the earth, ravishing a third part of life, the very meteors that strike the earth, poisoning the fresh water and poisoning the salt water systems, the, the, the very darkening of the, the sun and the moon and the stars and the, and the challenges that, that come to pass. There's so much to the book of Revelation that is going to, to take place, that's going to transpire, that, that are just simple realities without argument. <laughs> and we need to look into those things so that we understand what is to come. So on Tuesday, we covered up to the fourth seal of Revelation chapter 6. We're beginning now in the fifth. And a little recap on the four seals is the recognition of the white horse rider and the connection to who he is as the Antichrist in comparison with the true Messiah, which is coming back in Revelation chapter number 19 as a white horse rider. We see the difference in the weapons between the bow and the sword that proceeds from his mouth. We see the difference between the crown that is given unto this Revelation 6 white horse rider and the multitude of crowns that our Savior wears. We there, There's a lot of differences between these two. And it's very important for us to understand that if indeed we wrap our hearts around the idea of 
the Antichrist as the white seal writer of Revelation 6 and the first seal, the next two seals make perfect sense because the red horse rider is the military force of the, the Antichrist to enforce his kingdom, and the black horse rider is the chief economist that sets the price, ways, and measurements of all commodities that would be bought, sold, or traded within this global kingdom. And, and so you, you have the, the underpinnings of a very powerful government revealed in these first three horses. The fourth horse, known as Death, with hell following with him, is a very powerful horse. He, he has been active as an agent of God. He takes on a different style of agency during this period of time of tribulation, but he is well known uh, from the time of Adam eating the fruit. We see that death has has indeed covered the earth, killing with the sword, sword being weapons or implements of destruction, with which we kill each other with. Killing with hunger, of course, we know that there is a great deal of the world that dies from starvation every year it, it, right now, in this modern day. And with death, just people die. And with beasts of the earth and people get ravaged by animals so we see that the agent that brings all this to pass is already well at work and will be harvesting souls during the end time now and at the end of revelation chapter 14 we see a difference between two gleanings. We see a, a rapture-based gleaning with Jesus thrusting in his sickle once gathering his wheat, as referred to wheat, into his barns. Then we see that this agent of death, this pale horse rider, thrust in his sickle repeatedly and gathers clusters of grapes to be placed into the wine press of God's wrath and to be uh, pressed under his feet. So, very important that we understand what is to come, no doubt. But thus, we get to the fifth seal today. So, that's where we're going to start off reading. We're going to be from Revelation chapter number 6, verse 9 to 11 for this first seal of the day. And he says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them, that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren, that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. What can we say, guys? A question was asked of me about this just yesterday as concerning who these saints were, as it is believed that this will be people that are in the church that are going to have to go through this first portion of the three and a half years, it's called a mid-tribulation rapture, 
where the rapture is actually them being slaughtered by the Antichrist to destroy the church and completely eliminate it from the face of the planet once and for all. Now, indeed, there are people who are going to be slain for this. They, as revealed, slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. But I stand under the under understanding and teaching of the scripture that this is not the church. For the church has already been taken out of the way. This is an occurrence that took place back in Revelation chapter 4 as the the ending of the churches that were referred to in chapters 2 and 3 at the ending of those things being spoken as you see John being pulled up into the throne room of God in, in Revelation chapter 4. I believe that to be an example of the, the church being taken up to the throne room of God to stand in the presence of their king. Now, these guys that, that are recognized in the fifth seal are a very specific group of people that have a very specific place in, in the end times. Now, they're called the martyred saints, obviously, for the purpose that they were slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. There's another group of people that you haven't met yet. We're going to get into those guys here probably tomorrow. And they're the 144,000. Now, the 144,000 are recognized as 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. These will be, as revealed in Revelation chapter 14 at the very beginning of the chapter, these are uh, virgins, they are males, they are uh, faithful to the Lamb, they, they are Messianic Jews of, of Israel, they, they will proclaim the gospel of Messiah. They will proclaim it to the whole world as they are traveling through it. The, the people that you find here at the fifth seal are going to be people who did not make it into the rapture, who were not believers during the time of, of the church being taken away, that these people will hear the testimony of the 144,000 and they will come to faith in the first three and a half years of the Antichrist kingdom where he's establishing a secular kingdom where the, the authority of the, the religion of the one world group has not taken complete hold yet so, and the 144,000 are actively engaged in ministering to the globe, the gospel of Messiah Yeshua, that the, these martyred saints are going to be those who receive the gospel of this, these Messianic Jews and come to faith in Christ. Of course, this is a problem that the Antichrist is going to have to deal with, so he's going to dispatch his red horse rider to eliminate these dissenters from his government. He's going to easily know them for at the time where the, the institution from the false prophet of the mark of the beast will be applied to the, the world at large who will who will generally be very accepting of this mark, these believers who, who have come to faith in Messiah through the, the ministry of the 144,000, these people will reject that mark. 
not only meaning that they can't buy, sell, or trade, but also setting them up for being hunted. And whereas you find the Messianic Jews of the 144,000 protected of the Lord with his name written in their forehead and sealed, and they, they no matter how hard Satan tries to, to assault them and destroy them, he cannot get his hands on them. The Antichrist will not be able to overcome them. But these martyred saints, <laughs> the reason why they're called martyred saints is because whereas the devil and his crew can't get a hold of that 144,000, they can kill these guys all the day long and satisfy the lust of destruction in their heart. And so you see them piling down at the altar of God as, as they are discovered, they will be slaughtered. And as they are slaughtered, they will enter the throne room of God. Which, by the way, is a very, very much a blessing to us today as recognizing that when we are absent from this body, even this day, that we will be present with the Lord as we see these souls at the altar of God. And as they pour in, God is right there to receive them and to provide for them and to bless them. And so it's very important for us to realize that that this fifth seal, these martyred saints, they're a whole different group than the church. The church is already being dealt with in another venue with Messiah while these people are piling into the altar here. And what you'll discover about these martyred saints also is at the end of Revelation chapter number 7, coming up about verse number 9 in chapter 7, you're going to see that these people have a very specific place and a very specific blessing that comes from God. Now, the church has its place with Jesus there in that new Jerusalem, that that Father's house with many mansions that Jesus spoke about in John 14, that he said, "'Where I am, there you will be also.'" So the church is going to be connected to its bridegroom, Jesus, and, and they're going to be in the New Jerusalem. Now, the promise of the covenant of Abraham, the promise of the covenant that, of the land that would be given is going to be fulfilled for the old covenant of Israel. They're going to receive of the land on the earth, which has been made brand new for their sake. And so they're going to be on the earth in that and that promised covenant that would be made with them while the church is going to be in the new Jerusalem just above them so that Jesus, as the light of the world, can shine his glory upon, upon all on the earth. Then above the church, there's going to be the throne room of God, and in the throne room of God, where his temple is, temple and throne room, same, same. It's going to be these martyred saints that you see from verses 9 to 11 in Revelation 6. And their work is to serve the Lord, uh, as it says in Revelation 7, day and night. And they come from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every people. As many as believe the, the ministry of the 144,000 and have received salvation in Messiah, who, who do get mercilessly hunted down and slaughtered shall have this place at the temple of God to serve. So it's very important to keep everybody straight so that we may be able to stay straight about what's going on in Revelation. 
to consider the fifth seal being open, he said, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Why were they killed? Because they were faithful to the word of God and their testimony. And these two points go together, but they are also distinct. The testimony of a person is so much more than just their preaching or so much more than just their conversations and how they handle themselves speaking about the gospel. The testimony of a person is what they choose to do, what they choose not to do, where they choose to go and not to go, what they choose to say and not to say. The testimony that we live by in our daily lives is so much more than just if we're willing to speak the gospel now, granted that the majority of our testimony is the gospel by which we share, but if we're living a riotous life of the world and then trying to share the gospel of Jesus, it just isn't going to work very well. In order to be able to share the gospel in such a framework as it makes sense to those that we're sharing it with, we've got to live a life that exemplifies the gospel. And so our testimony is the whole of our life, the way that we live, the things that we say, the, 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 the way that we do things. I mean, the whole of our behavior is tied into the presentation of the gospel that we would share. And so we find that these people that were slain, uh, the, the souls of them, we find that they were killed for two things. One is the very word of God, which they actively shared, but the second is the testimony of their life that revealed that they believed what they were saying. All too often, I've met people that when I asked them if they were believers in Christ, that they would say, yes, I'm a Christian, but they would be living lives that were, were inconsistent with what they said they were. They would be cussing. They would be fussing. They would, they would, be, they would be drinking and, and, and doing all manner of things that is not consistent with, with the claim of Christianity, for their lives were riotous in every way. And yet, when backed into a corner and made the question about this, or when, when in church where everybody else is supposed to be Christian, like chameleons, we, we instantly know to blend into the environment. And so, while in the presence of Christians, it's nothing for me to be a Christian. But while in the presence of the riotous world, it's nothing for me to be a part of the riotous world unless I am genuine to my faith, unless I am genuine to my belief in Christ Jesus. In the genuineness of my faith, I know that my Lord has called me to be separate from the world, to give them a picture of what is the hope that is in me with meekness and fear. And if, if my faith is genuine, I'm going to live a different life from this world. If my faith is genuine, I'm going to speak a different way to this world. I'm going to understand that that's the manner of speech is, is powerful unto bringing life into a person or destroying someone unto death. Our words are powerful. And, and as a, a genuine believer, understanding this, I would be very careful for, for what I spoke, very careful for what I did, very careful for, for understanding that when a person meets me or when a person sees me, that that is the introduction they have 
to the very presence of Jesus himself, and so that I must conduct myself in a manner that is that is befitting a Christian, <laughs> so that I may be more than just my words, but in my life an example to this person of what it means to be a child of God. Now, there are so many people in this world today that make the claim of being the children of God, but do not do not believe what I just said or do not live their lives in accordance with what I just said. And it's very important to understand that, that there is going to come a time where there is going to be a, a, a moment where you're going to be put to the test, where you're going to be put to the fire. Well, these people from verse 9 to 11 have their moment in this kingdom because the Antichrist is coming for them. He's going to be destroying them. The red horse rider and his armies are going to scour the earth hunting for their blood. And they're either going to be genuine to the point of death or they're going to be discovered fake because they're never going to testify. And in, in Revelation chapter number 12, it's literally the whole of time, a whole time frame spelled out in one chapter. And it will talk about the, the glory of those who are serving in, in the throne room of God, whose testimony was that they were faithful and that they gave their lives. And that is the martyred saints you'll see there. He says, they cried with a loud voice, these saints which have been slain for their testimony. They cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Now, the blood that's being referred to is their lives. In the connection of Leviticus chapter number 17, beginning in verse number 11, it tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when they ask for vengeance on their blood, they're, they're asking for God to revenge their lives. Now, the scripture does tell us and the reason why these people were, were mercilessly slaughtered and that, and that without fighting back as it would be is because they believed. Their testimony showed their faith to the scriptures. They believed in what God said in Deuteronomy as well as what is revealed in Hebrews chapter number 10 when, when God says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. It's very important to realize that we do not exact vengeance on our own behalf in this life because we as believers understand that the role of vengeance belongs to God. Whereas our vengeance would be exacted in a sinful manner in an unrighteous way because of our anger over an issue that has taken place, we understand that God's vengeance is just and it's righteous. He is true and holy as revealed in verse 10. And so that when his vengeance comes, it will be perfect in its execution. It will be perfect in its power because it is just and righteous as God is holy. So it's very important for us to realize that we rely upon the Lord for vengeance over our own lives. We rely upon the Lord for everything, knowing that in His perfect time that it will come to pass as He wills it to be, and that we simply just rest in His promises. We trust 
in the Lord. And that's exactly what they're crying out. When are you going to avenge our blood? The answer to their prayer, white robes. And <laughs> verse number 11, he says that white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season. Okay, the, the purpose behind the rest that they're receiving is because it's not over yet. It's very important for us to understand that, that there are times and seasons that God blesses us with work, that there's a lot of work going on. There's times and seasons where God blesses us with rest, where not a lot of work can be done. And, and it is to God's will that, that each of these moments would take place, just as it was God's will for these people to, to be mercilessly slaughtered under the hands of that old wicked Antichrist. And yet we, we try to understand these points of his will, and we say it just doesn't make sense to us. But when God has this Antichrist in the, in the mode of, of destroying these lives, He's destroying himself, for he has not covered himself in, in the righteousness of those people to be able to protect himself from being destroyed, but that in his lust for destruction, he's destroyed himself, for as he clears out all of the believers, he leaves not but the wrath of God to come upon him. And, and man, as well as that old devil, will never figure that out. We only operate off of the cons consumption of our own lust. Uh, unless we are faithful to God, unless we, we have that testimony of being obedient to his word, which, as we've already discovered, the majority of, of Christendom here in the United States does not have a very strong testimony under the Lord. And, and so we understand that it is the consumption of our own lust that still, even though we may be the children of God, is the direction of our life and what we're going to do. And so we, we cannot say that God is unjust when this Antichrist is killing all of our brethren and, and these people cannot make an accusation against God and that they, they cry out, when are you going to avenge us, is recognizing that that God is allowing that Antichrist and those people to destroy themselves, essentially, which is what God has always done to the, to the lost and to the, the, the believers that claim to be but weren't, is that all through the Old Testament, for example, where Israel could have been obedient to God and surrendered their, their, their ways and their lives to the Lord that he may direct their paths, as we've discovered already in Proverbs chapter 3, two Wednesdays ago, we understand that because they chose their own path, because they chose their own ways and did not surrender unto the Lord, that they ended up consuming themselves to the point where they had brought themselves under slavery. Now, in some cases, God would bring a nation such as Babylon to take over his people, but that is at the point that they broke their promise to Babylon, thereby breaking their covenant with God, and so he allowed them to be swallowed up. But in any case, the point being that they consumed themselves upon their own lust instead of being obedient to the Lord, which they had every way of being able to do. And so the same picture comes at this point of the Antichrist slaughtering these people. Now, no one wants to be hunted. No one wants to be mercilessly killed. So the cry of these martyred saints is reasonable in that they, they have 
been hatefully dispatched from this earth unto that altar there in the throne room of God, and, and the manner in which they are escorted to that throne room is of such a vicious nature that upon entering that altar, upon entering the throne room of God, they're, they're still rattled and, and they're, they're furious with, with their destruction, only to see themselves clothed with a white robe and given the, the command, rest. You've, you've done the labor. You've done the work. You've, you, you have accomplished everything that, that my will for your life has, has been on the earth. Well done, faithful servant. Come and rest. By the way, because you're not, you're not all up here yet. Imagine being told that, verse number 11, rest for a little season until your fellow servants and your brethren should be killed. <laughs> You're not the only ones. And the sufferings that believers go through today, uh, recognized just like Elijah when he said, I'm all that's left. Jezebel's done a great job killing all of us prophets. Just, just go ahead and kill me, Lord. I'm all that's left. And God showed him 700 others that had not bowed the knee to bail. We, we are champions of seeing our own struggles as being the only ones. And yet we discover that, that these people who were slain were not all, that there were many who should come after them as they were, and that it should be fulfilled. And so, uh, you know, God is very gracious when he allows us to complain about our situation, isn't he? He's very gracious to us because the situation that we're in currently is, is not just a situation that we face, but a situation that many face. But we see ourselves the only one who's gone through this. And I'm not picking on these martyred saints because I would not want to be one of them. I, I, just being honest, I, the, the, the merciless hunting, the, the, the slaughter that, that is inescapable at this point of time and and the means by which they are killed all the day long. Now, I wouldn't want to be one of them. And I can understand why they're crying out to the Lord and saying, why are you allowing this to take place? I mean, this this is such a, a miserable and horrible way to die. Why are you allowing this to carry on? But what they don't understand is the power of God's plan. And God's plan is perfect. And every life that is snuffed out on the face of this planet that is that is a child of God is only establishing one step closer. It's establishing that time that is one step closer to the ultimate destruction of the Antichrist and of his kingdom and of, of Satan himself. And it's only setting free the believers that are on this earth from the certainty of their capture as being captured and delivered into the hands of God at his throne. So, very, very amazing. Now, in, in verse number 12, as we finish off the chapter for the sixth seal, don't find the seventh seal because the seventh seal releases the angels that begin the trumpets. But we'll get into that in chapter number eight because chapter seven is a character reference. But here in the sixth seal, we see 
verses 12 to 17, I beheld when, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree cast untimely figs when she is shaken by mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, and, and it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman, hid themselves in the dens, and the rocks, and the mountains, and said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? A couple of points that are really, really important to grab here is the is the reality of the people of the earth knowing exactly what's happening, knowing who is making this happen. You see, they said to the rocks and, and and the mountains, well, that's because this people that are left on this earth are a people that worship the creature or or the creation more than the creator who made it. We find that already being spoken of by the apostle Paul in Romans chapter number one, beginning about verse number 20, and that when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, but glorified the creation and the creature more than the creator who made it, who is blessed, by the way. Amen. So we understand that that these people acknowledge the wrath of the Lamb. They acknowledge the Lamb of God. They acknowledge the, the authority and power of God, and they say, who is able to stand in the wrath that is come? Uh, so why didn't they trust him? Why why didn't they surrender their lives to him? They, they knew exactly who it was. It's kind of like the, the Muslims today, and that Muslims know that Jesus is their judge. I mean, they, they have more than 27 references to our Yeshua in their Quran, and, and they believe him to be a judge, that he has imparted judgment to the, the earth. They, they see this, but they refuse to accept who he is as Messiah. They refuse to accept the divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, Yeshua Christ. We, we understand that, that you have the same thing with, with Orthodox Judaism. You, they just refuse to accept Yeshua as Messiah, they, they they just oh my goodness. But when it comes time that that they recognize that the final wrath that last three and a half years and the devastations that are recognized, what's happening in this sixth seal with these earthquakes and and that's another thing we'll talk about in a second. But they they acknowledge that this is happening from the Lamb, from Him that sitteth upon the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. They they know that it's God. They realize and they know that they're powerless to make any of this change. They, they know what is happening. Their time is up. And the whole time they could have surrendered their lives. They could have surrendered their will and their heart. They could have repented of their sins and trusted in him as Savior and been delivered by him this whole time. 
but they spent their days rejecting him and living in the riotous of their lives up until his wrath comes to its fullness of a state. And now they're crying out to the rocks like rocks could do something for them. They're crying out to the mountains, hide us. They're crying out to the creation that they've been worshiping, not realizing that the creator who made it will not allow it to hide them. It's such embarrassment there. And that these would be recognized as kings of the earth, great men of the earth, rich men of the earth, chief captains of the, the Red Horse Army, mighty men of the Red Horse Army, the bondmen, the freemen, and, and they, they all try to get away because they've been living off of the joys and, and lust of their flesh and eyes and the pride of their life up until the point where it all falls apart. Literally, it all falls apart. Look what happens. By the way, uh, you, you, you find some geological events that are taking place, and the, the, the comedy of this is, is in, the, in the teaching of tectonics, in the tectonic plate movements, there, the, the floating continents as it was, not the case at all. These continents, they are, they are all connected in the crust of the earth. They're not floating around anywhere. So the, the, the subduction and abduction of plates as they, they collide with each other around the world is because of the, the, the fault lines that have broken the world into looking like baseball and at those seams of course as they widen or, or, or pushing other sides together we have all of these different uh, geological occurrences and earthquakes that are taking place of course that's the case that's happening here as we see that the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together every mountain and every island were moved out of their places so god is, is shifting uh, land masses. God is is causing great deals of earthquakes to to come upon them, like like the fig tree that that cast the untimely figs when shaken by mighty wind. You can understand the great earthquakes, which are the land masses being shifted. I mean, we're talking uh, if if we could read magnitudes of earthquakes at a nine being the the greatest magnitude, we would understand that this would be somewhere near a fifteen. To 100 that would be moving these these continents in their places and of course the sun becoming black that the moon becoming as blood there there's so many different geological occurrences that that are taking place in this sixth seal which are the the devastations of god's wrath upon the very corruption of the earth itself, as well as the dealings with the corruption of his creation in man. Just breathtaking, guys. Just breathtaking. So I'll leave you to absorb all of that from this day, from the fifth and sixth seals, as remembering the first four seals as the government established and understanding the fifth seal as being those martyred saints that God would make provision for until the time of his wrath being complete and the sixth seal recognizing some of the beginnings of the tribulations of God's wrath upon the earth and the geologic destructions and devastations that he's going to bring to pass upon his own creation as he begins that, that great settling, that great fina, uh, finale, I should say, of what is to come to pass. So, 
With that, I'll catch you tomorrow in Revelation chapter number 7. Thank you, Father, for a beautiful day. Thank you for this understanding. And Lord, let us consider the scriptures all through the Bible that tie to this making sense of the reality of what I've spoken today. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you. And I'll catch you tomorrow for Revelation 7 and the 144,000 introduction. Take care.